So welcome, a really warm welcome to Thomas Risley Church. Our service today is led by Kevin, Kevin Johnson. We just ask you, there are a couple of notices, believe it or not. Uh, First of all, if you could have a look at your uh, notice sheet. Um, And if you haven't got it, don't worry, but it can't you... Most of you will have had it on email, but you can find it on uh, the it, on the website if needed. Now, at the very top, it says, no, not at the very top. In the middle, it says that there's going to be a pumpkin party, um, light party, um, on the 31st of October at 4.30 to 5.30. And this is a joint church um, activity. Um, so first of all, families, you're more than welcome to have a look at this and to be involved. Uh, secondly, they're delivering little packs of um, activities to do. And um, they're looking for volunteers that can deliver those um, those packs. Um, so I think the most amount of people that are coming to the, the party is 35. So hopefully if we have a couple of volunteers, that should be quite easy to do in the Birchwood area. So if you fancy uh, being involved then there is a number at the bottom or you can speak to Helen Bennett. So just to give you that. Okay, that's my notice done. We just ask you uh, to stay on mute during the service. And then after, after the service, there will be a prayer time. And today I think our um, prayer warriors are Stuart and Fiona. So before we start, let's start with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for this technology which allows us to meet together. We ask for your blessings on Kevin. May he deliver your word to us. And may we have the ears to hear. Amen. Over to Kevin. Thank you. Good morning. It's great to be with you again. Um, bring greetings from the other side of the, the ship canal, <laughs> from, the, uh, from Partington, where I live. And um, I've got a call to worship, and then I've got a prayer. Uh, I just want to check that the screen share will have the prayer uh, in, in a moment. So, uh, I'll lead the uh, the call to worship, and then hopefully we'll be able to see the words of the of the prayer in which there is a response. So let's just pause for a moment. I know one's already prayed, but let's just pause together and hold the space in quietness as we come before God. In the beginning, before time, before people. Before the world began, God was. Here and now amongst us, beside us, 
enlisting the people of earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Not denying the world, but delighting in it. Not condemning the world, but redeeming it. Through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God was, God is, God will be. And then if we could screen share for the prayer, please. And if you'd respond quietly in your own home with the final line of each of these uh, verses, this day it may hold fear, loneliness or sadness. May we find our peace in you. This day it may hold fun times, laughter and happiness. May we find our joy in you. This day, it may hold dark times. May we find our light in you. This day, it may be full of excitement and creativity and plans. May we find our imagination in you. This day, we may feel overwhelmed, worried or anxious. May we find our strength in you. This day, we may feel lost, hurt or unsure. May we find our help in you. This day, unknown to us but known to you. May we find our hope in you. This day and every day, we meet with you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hand over to someone to read the Lord's Prayer to us. The Lord's Prayer should appear on the screen. Shall we say it together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So, now it's birthday's time. So, I just let me change the view so I can see you all. Is there anybody here who has a birthday, either one thousand or one in the coming week? Oh my goodness, I've got hands up everywhere. So if you could unmute yourself and state who you are, please. Go. Karis. Karis. Harris, sorry. Laurie. And Laurie. So, anybody else? So, we've got Harris and Laurie. Okay, the Gemmels are going to sing, but I would uh, suggest that the rest of you stay on mute and sing um, uh, at your homes. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Caris and Laurie. Happy birthday to you. Oh, lovely. And now over to Stuart, who is going to bring our Bible reading. So our first reading is Psalm 96, verses 1 to 9. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of all the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Amen. Our second reading is Matthew 20, 22, verses 15 to 22. Paying the poll tax to Caesar. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus Knowing their evil intent said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Amen. Thanks, Wanda. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's good to be with you all. I bring greetings from our little project in Dunham Massey, uh, the chapel in the fields. And you've probably heard me talk before. Uh, we're discovering how to do all of the, the things that we thought we'd do in the chapel now online. Uh, so we've been able to deliver online quiet days. Uh, we're sending out a, a regular postcard, which has been absolutely amazing in how many people we've reached. Uh, and then on Friday nights, uh, we did something uh, new again. Uh, we hosted an online poetry evening with the Reverend Rachel Mann, which was absolutely excellent. Uh, Rachel is a, a local priest in Manchester and, a, and an accomplished poet. So bring greetings. And uh, we're, we're just living with the uncertainty like everybody else um, and what this will be like going forward and we were just chatting earlier about Christmas, how we make plans for, uh, for the celebration of Christmas. Our message today comes from the, uh, the, the second reading from the Gospel in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, 
It's quite a well-known passage and has often been quoted, uh, you know, give to Caesar. Uh, The background is that this is on the journey towards Jerusalem for Jesus. This is, uh, you know, the critical moment, if you like, in his ministry. Uh, And he's being uh, tripped and trapped by uh, religious people or so-called religious people. By way of introduction, it is said, apparently, that barristers, when they cross-examine a witness, should never ask a question to which they do not know the answer. If that's so, then these people who want to trip and trap Jesus uh, haven't really understood that, and they should never have opened their mouths to question him. So as Jesus journeys towards the cross, towards the crucifixion, We've already, uh, in this sequence in Matthew's Gospel, had the Palm Sunday story where the, uh, where the people in the temple have been um, faced with the uh, anger of Jesus. And now there's a stormy confrontation in the courtyard. He doesn't like the misuse of the temple uh, as a market. And so he's wound up the, the religious people around him. Jesus has no illusions as to how this is going to end. The shadow of the cross is all over these stories, these accounts. And yet the courage of Jesus remains undaunted. undaunted. He wasn't so preoccupied with his awful fate that awaited him that he couldn't function and, um, you know, be keen with his words in in the moment. So these, uh, these religious people of Jesus try to set him up for a fall. The priests and the Pharisees, They've probably connived together. They've probably had some sort of meeting and they want to frame these cunning questions. And so they send people to him and their aim was simple. Uh, We're going to trap him. We're going to find something on which we can hold it against him. Something, you know, we could nail him. Pardon the pun. You know where that's going. And so they trap him. Uh, They trap him into saying something that would either offend or alienate his supporters. So the question really is simple. Rabbi, we of course know that you are sincere. Well, that's a bit condescending to start with. And you always teach the truth about God. Now you are, nor are you afraid of anyone. You don't pander to the um, to, to people. So they set him up. You know, they say nice things about him. They give him the respected title, Rabbi. But they're now listening to his every word. Tell us, therefore, Rabbi, what is your opinion on this matter? Taxes. Is it right to pay tax to Caesar or not? It's a really cunning question. It's just that it's a dirty one. And their motives behind it are really not good. So if Jesus had said, no, it's not right or just that we should be taxed by the empire or emperor of Rome, then a loud cheer would have gone up and everyone from the crowd would have said, That's amazing. Everybody hated taxes. We probably in our day aren't too comfortable with them. How much more this foreign power taking taxes from the ordinary people? By rejecting the taxation, Jesus could have there and then cemented his popularity with the ordinary people of the land for whom he had so much compassion. But at the same time, he would have placed on record words that would later have condemned him for treason in any Roman court. So he's in a catch-22. But what if he took another view? What if Jesus responded, taxes? You can't have a peaceful and prosperous land without taxes. 
You can't have roads and sewage systems, water supplies, public baths, law and order, and even great temples like this one, if you didn't pay taxes. There will always be taxes. If Jesus had replied like that, imagine what would have happened. That would probably have kept him safe from Roman investigation, probably even added a Roman protection around him, but it would have wound up the religious people. So whichever way Jesus answers, he's going to be in some sort of trouble. But Jesus often, in fact, mostly is on the front foot. I mentioned the barrister at the beginning asking a question for which they already know the answer. These critics now in this story have left themselves exposed. Not only did they not know the answer, but they were arrogant enough to think there was no safe answer that this Galilean upstart could give how wrong they were. Jesus simply asked them, show me the coins which you already have with which you pay the taxes. So one of them reached into his wallet and produced a denarius, a silver coin with the emperor's head printed on it. Such a smart move by Jesus because he's already exposed them by actually carrying one of these coins. They've already got it in their, in their hand. He outflanks them. By producing the coin, they realise they're showing themselves up. And so he then says, well, whose image is on the coin? Notice that word image. Strictly forbidden, forbidden by priests that any image should ever be brought into the temple precincts. Such an image would be an affront to Yahweh. And yet these self-righteous people have broken their own laws by having Roman money with the emperor's image on it. And all this in a sacred place. Whose image is this? And of course, they answer, obviously, it's Caesar's. Maybe then they might just begin to hear themselves speaking and realise the implications of their answer. Realising then that they've been embarrassed and set up by Jesus when actually it was supposed to be the other way around. Jesus looks at the coin and gives his answer loudly for all to hear. So then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is due to God. Their trap has failed. Their own fingers have been caught in the trap. Was Jesus merely getting himself off the hook or was there more involved? Some people, some theologians have made this passage their justification for a separation between the church and the state, claiming that God gives the government their realm of authority, the secular affairs of the society, and God gives the church their realm of affairs, that the two are quite separate. Sometimes we hear outraged politicians quote this text when they're taking umbrage at criticism by the church. Is there a separation of church and state? To what degree is that separation possible? And it's a really complex situation. Give to Caesar what is due to him. Give to God what is due to God. The Jews never accepted that there was a separation. They believed that the whole earth was filled with the glory of God and that the kings in the Old Testament that are referred to were servants of God. There was no division between the sacred and the secular. I wonder what popped into the minds of the people around Jesus as he spoke. Give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. Well, maybe there's two reactions. If they had in general accepted that they were part of the Roman Empire, as it seems the high priests had, they might have thought, well, fair enough. Roman rule actually is not all that bad. 
we have many things to be thankful for. Some people, therefore, might, in fact, have heard these words as a kind of approval from Jesus for some form of cooperation with this occupying power. But on the other hand, there are those zealots, those fanatics who wanted an end to the Roman occupation. They wanted to see the overthrow of Rome. What is due to Caesar? What is due to him? Zealots, therefore, may have heard these words as some sort of approval by Jesus that their plans for a liberated land could now be brought to being. I believe uh, that these words are almost deliberately ambiguous. He was not giving any pat answers. And maybe those around him, maybe like today, we want straightforward answers uh, about our role in society and the role of the church. But Jesus is clever, I think, in giving uh, his answer. What is due to God? Give to God what is due to him. Nothing could be plainer than this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all who live within it. All things belong to God. Politics is always subservient or should be to God. Caesar must never go unquestioned. Kings, prime ministers, presidents. Yes, presidents are answerable to God. So some conclusions to all of this. I don't think Jesus advocated a sharp separation of church and state, nor do his words support a blind cooperation with the state. And I don't think we should either. We don't opt for our doing our own thing. All things must answer to God. All things are due to God. Which takes me back to those words I began with at the beginning. God was, God is, God will be. So two things to leave you with that uh, I reflect upon. There is this cunning sense of these people questioning Jesus. Trying to destroy rather than build up. Trying to trap rather than encourage. And I also marvel at the level-headedness of Jesus. Just imagine with days to go and what was going through his mind as the crucifixion loomed closer as his trial before religious and Romans uh, happened. How he is still of a mind present to answer the question in such a way that actually brings the challenge back to the person who asked the question. He himself is treading the path towards the cross. And actually, if you read the backgrounds of some of this, If you were a tax rebel and refused to pay your tax to the Roman occupying army, you would be strung up on a cross and your cross would probably be on the side of a road. You would be like an ordinary criminal. Jesus himself is heading in that direction. His sacrifice is greater than just not paying taxes. It's for the whole sin of the whole world. His vocation was to be some sort of revolutionary. His revolution was about the kingdom of God and not about the kingdom of Caesar. His love would triumph over the empire of death. And one other thought that comes to me as I listen to the news and find our where we are in our society today, a bit like flipping a coin, heads or tails. My deep concern about our society today is we have to it seems, choose whether we're on one side or other. And Brexit has highlighted that. Oh, do you remember Brexit? 
now we've got a pandemic. And now it feels like we are more divided than we've ever been. Yes, there's a conversation in the news today about North and South, about Manchester and Liverpool, about Boris and Burnham. It feels like we're divided. And if it's not true in the UK, it's definitely true in the USA. And again, the muddiness of politics and religion, of empire, of power, of whose loyalty we follow. Where there's false dreams, power and authority, a distortion of the truth. The question might be for us, on whose side are we? Do we take a stand in a different place and speak a different message? I think we should. I think we always have. We probably just need to be more courageous in these times. To speak of unity. To speak of sharing and good listening. To embrace the difference between us and not foster division. We definitely live in anxious and uncertain times. Our strength, I think, will be found in our unity, in our oneness in Christ and our oneness with each other. Amen.
is going to bring us the prayers for the local community and the wider world. Thank you, Banda. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give thanks that we can meet with you this morning in the safety of our homes. We pray for your world, particularly in those areas and countries where COVID-19 is just one more issue to face along with all the other issues. We pray for our brothers and sisters suffering persecution because of their faith. And we bring before you this morning the family, friends and students of the murdered teacher in France. We pray for peace and justice in your world and an end to violence and extremism that conflicts can be resolved peacefully. We pray for those suffering from depression and anxiety, with so many worried about work situations, about school, university situations, for those without a roof over their heads or worrying about how they'll pay mortgages, rent or for food. Lord, we just give thanks for what we have. We pray for our governments and councils. We pray for collaboration and harmony, for honest discussion without tension, hostility and division. We lift before you, Lord, all those working in our NHS, the long hours, the dedication and care that they provide. We pray for all working in the supply chain, from farm workers, delivery drivers, to shop workers, for energy and power providers, to plumbers, electricians, and for those who keep law and order when faced with angry crowds, or when they attend horrific scenes, as in the fatal crash in Oxford. Although we pray for the bereaved family and the lorry driver. We pray for all who work in our schools and colleges, as half-term approaches. In one local school, 
48 staff are already self-isolating due to positive tests. And we pray for those working on a vaccine, but mindful that we still need to obey the rules on social distancing. We give thanks for the beauty of your world, for the changing colours on the trees. And we give thanks for time spent seeing family and friends when possible on a walk. Thank you, Lord, for the little but special things in life. We give thanks that we could see baby Eleanor this morning. And we give thanks that we can see Edna on our screens this morning. Lord, we pray for your church, for our elders and ministers, for difficult decisions that they have to make. And in our church this morning, we offer prayers for Derek and Sue as they celebrate their marriage on Friday. And finally, at the rugby final yesterday, it was so strange. The traditional singing of Abide With Me took place 190 miles away from an almost empty stadium. In these unique and strange times, Lord Jesus, we pray that you abide with us, Lord. When the clocks go back at the end of this week, with shorter days and longer nights, during the evening when the day is drawing to a close, abide with us and with your whole church. In the evening of the day, in the evening of our lives, in the evening of the world. Abide with us and with all your faithful ones, Lord Jesus, in time and in eternity. Amen. Amen. Now let's sing of the splendour of our King.
our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Thank you so much, Kevin, for leading us today. And the timely reminder of how great our God is. Now, I just invite you all to unmute yourselves and let's say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen. Amen.